0: Welcome, everybody. It is Draft Politics, episode 23. We're talking about alligator
1: moats today. With you, as always, it's EJ. And Steve here. Yeah, we had a bit of a delay in getting a new episode out to you. Had a little scheduling conflict last week, but we're here. We're going to have some extra bonus material because we got the debate coming up this week. So, you know, we'll see how it goes, but you'll have plenty to listen to.
0: Yeah, and I think it was one of those things where every day we thought we could do it. There was both so much news and so much other stuff where, like, maybe the next day is going to be better. Yes. Maybe it's going to be possible, yes. too. Because tomorrow is something. Maybe it'll settle down by Wednesday or Thursday.
1: Yeah. Well, it didn't really settle down, but we've done our best to summarize what's going on. Uh, and I think we want to start off with the impeachment palooza. Yeah. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest uh, the president. So How we got a couple not. people starting to testify.
0: Right. So, I mean, process-wise right now, there are – it's really f- investigation, right? So the, the impeachment is not in the trial forum, They're still doing – Lots of testifying, lots of fact-finding, so we've got subpoenas out all over the place. Uh, we've had uh, former uh, advisor on Russia in the Ukraine, Fiona Hill, testify. Uh, former ambassador to the Ukraine, Maria Ivanovich testify. And she's kind of wrapped up in lots of these things. And coming up, I think we're going to have uh, Trump donor and ambassador to the EU, Gordon Sondland. Yes, and
1: and it's important to note that those things are not disconnected. Trump donor and EU ambassador. Now, normally uh, there is a practice of handing out uh, ambassadorships to people based on being campaign sponsors and things like that. Usually, they're to places like you know Monaco and other places where it's like we don't really need to have the ambassador do anything. EU ambassador is usually a pretty important role, so it's a little strange that he'd be in there. Yeah. Uh, Also of note, apparently he donated about a million dollars to Trump uh, via four different LLCs. So, you know, it all looks a little shady, but basically he's buying a a seat of power. Um, And, of course, he has some involvement we're about to get into uh, in what's going on in Ukraine, uh, which is fun because Ukraine is not in the EU. Right, which, which just tells you a lot
0: about what's happening when somebody who is a political appointee not for being qualified just for donations to an important spot is stepping outside of their role to make themselves involved yes. in other things. Which is a pretty typical, I mean, it's a pretty typical way of operating for the Donald Trump crime family.
1: Yes, so it's all about loyalty and who your connections are. Um, Now, uh, we get the sense, and we'll get into this, is that Sondland's loyalties are entirely to himself, but that seems to be a pattern amongst Trump's people is they're really all kind of got their own games going on, and uh, they just see Trump as a way to get to the power they want. So um, I think to get things started, before we get too deep into Ukraine per se... The much more entertaining stuff is all of what's been going around Giuliani. Oh man! And so, two guys, Lev Parnas, and Igor Fruman, not to be confused with uh, the Sausage King of Chicago, Abe Froman. Abe Frohman—they're uh, both foreign-born Republican donor, donator, big excuse me, Republican donors who donated three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to a Trump super PAC called America First Action. And they've both been arrested for campaign finance laws violations. So what's extra fun about this is when they were arrested. They meet up with Rudy Giuliani at the Trump International Hotel in D.C. Have lunch. Of course. Right. Of course, that's where they met up. Of course, that's where they met up. Have lunch with Giuliani. Then proceed to go to the airport on one-way tickets out of the country. They're arrested at the airport. And the way I imagine that in my head going is they sit down with Giuliani, and Giuliani's having a perfectly normal conversation with them. They start looking at the menu. He's like, you should have the chili. And, and Igor and, and Lev look at each other. The chili? And Giuliani says, yes, the chili. And then they immediately start Googling, like, tickets to Germany. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, really, really astounding story. And when I saw it come through... You know, I saw a headline that said Giuliani Associates arrested at Dulles Airport. I was like, wouldn't it be hilarious if it's the dudes he had, you know, investigating for him in Ukraine? Right. The people that he was sort of hanging his head on as being the crack investigative resources that brought all of these conspiracies
1: to light. And indeed, yes. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and some other shadiness around this, and this is where the uh, campaign finance law violations come into play, is apparently they promised to raise money for former Congressman Pete Sessions. Uh, He's now a former congressman because he lost his election uh, to a Democrat, Colin Allard. And he got, as it turns out, $3 million uh, in various ad buys from a super PAC connected to these guys. And... uh, and right so, after that, yeah. he wrote a letter to the State Department
0: decrying our ambassador to the Ukraine. Yes, Marie Ivanovich
1: Yes. Yeah, so basically they pressured him to try to get Marie Ivanovich out. Um, Trump would also then pressure to get Yovanovitch removed. Um, so there's a whole circle of things all around Ukraine, tying these guys, tying Giuliani, tying Trump, right, and a whole lot of money involved in it. And, and let me tell you, I think maybe my
0: favorite tidbits that have come out about these two gentlemen were some of their affiliate companies. Yes. Um,
1: <laughs> fraud Guarantee. Yes. Great so, name for a company. And, and let's be clear, Fraud Guarantee, they actually, uh, and this is uh, Furman's company, actually paid Giuliani money from Fraud Guarantee. And then the other company, which I think is actually my favorite of these, is a, is a club in Odessa, Ukraine called Mafia Rave. Right.
0: And Odessa is like a seaside town. It's a vacation place. I mean, I would go to Odessa on vacation, especially if I wanted to, you know, funnel some mafia money back to the U.S. But I would go there, and Mafia Rave is close to the beach. Uh, it has three-and-a-half stars yeah, it
1: sounds like it's a little expensive, overrated. Yep. Um, but you know, Karina apparently is a wonderful hostess there. If you do get a chance to see it, I assume it's still in business at this point. But you know, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, they couldn't go away now. All
0: advertising is good advertising. Well, that's true. Now Wait it'll become tur- a
1: destination for like right. corruption tourists. And on either it side the of that,
0: Trump mafia rave. Right, when Don Junior buys it. Perfectly legal. Right. right. I think you're on the board of mafia rave. So, and again, what's really interesting here is that these are people at the center of the, you know, Giuliani goes to Ukraine looking to a dig up dirt on the Bidens. B try to get public, public investigations going. Trying to make connections with people that he thinks are persuadable. And he repeatedly refers to especially Lev Parnas as somebody who's making connections for him in all of these places. Yep. And, you know, them getting arrested
1: changes the context, I think, of a lot well, of that history hopefully. and what's interesting to me about them getting arrested is this was an investigation i gathered by the southern district of new york it's, it's curious to see like how it got to them yeah and it does suggest that as much as uh william barr is in control of the doj he doesn't control all of it because yeah this is definitely bad for trump and as much as Barr is sold out to trump he wasn't able to shut this down for whatever reason
0: yeah i i be really interested to see how much of this information flowed
1: up yeah and how much of it was sort of contained yeah and we know we know from uh past information that Mueller's probe had a bunch of things that came out of it and some of that stuff was handed off to the southern district so it's entirely possible it's all somehow tangential to that. that
0: that's a really excellent point uh because we know that parnas was was connected to the probe in some
1: way. Yeah, and we've seen... There are photos out there of Fruman and and Parnas and Trump and Don Jr. and... Giuliani. Giuliani, like, it's all... Yeah. I mean, Parnas was at a very exclusive
0: election night party in 2016. Yeah. Like, not a big, big list of people who got invited. And, of course, Trump is saying, and this is going to kind of carry through... You know, we're now into the uh, the Donald Trump bus tour where he claims to not know anybody and then throw them under one or several buses. Yes. They're either not on my bus or I'm about to run them over with my bus. Yes. And he said, I've never met these people. I don't know who they are. I don't know anything about them. That even like Rudy Giuliani, like I'm. Is he my attorney? I don't know. Right.
1: Interestingly, uh, Giuliani also got them into George H.W. Bush's funeral. Like, maybe they just like getting into these exclusive things. Makes them feel important, you know? So election night parties, funerals, whatever. I'm sure there's nothing nefarious about any of it. I
0: really like that idea. I like that idea that these guys have got, like, They've got some kind of bucket punch list. Card. Of yeah, I want to like, go to
1: a presidential funeral. Know, check.
0: The, and now we've got a, an inaug- inauguration, funeral, uh, sure. impeachment would be good. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Hey, live impeachment. Let's get an impeachment going. We'll go to those hearings.
1: What do you think? Sounds Prefecta. good. Prefecta, right? <laughs> Something they drummed up when they were at Mafia rave. <laughs> at Mafia. Could see that. Uh, great table service and right. bottle service at right. Mafia yes. rave. Right. Only the finest. So, uh, yeah. so, uh, speaking of service, bus service, uh, Here's Rick Perry gets to go under the bus. <laughs> uh, so Trump went out and tried to sort of suggest that Rick Perry was to blame for all of this. Yeah. And there was some negotiation between Rick Perry and Ukraine trying to get them to put, um, Americans onto the board of the Ukrainian state-owned gas company. So there might be some shadiness there. Um, there was already one member of the board who was an American, put, who uh, I guess Obama got to be a part of that board. Uh, they want him replaced and put course, two Texans on there. Naturally. Uh, one of them, uh, Michael Blizer donated to Perry's gubernatorial campaign. Amazing! I know. Weird coincidence. Weird
0: coincidence. I'm sure Rick Perry didn't even know right? or had forgotten his name.
1: So as far as it goes, did Perry do anything corrupt? Probably. Does it have anything to do with Trump trying to get the Bidens, you know, cr- dirt and corruption on the Bidens? No. It has nothing to do with that at all. It, and again, this is always
0: the playbook. We're going to claim the other people are doing the things that we're doing. 100%. So we've got an effort to install donors onto boards of companies in Ukraine and then saying, what we're doing is trying to investigate corruption. Right. I mean, maybe, it's, maybe they're just like Batman, and to know the criminal mind, they must become a criminal. Well,
1: there you go. The Batman defense coming soon. To an impeachment <laughs> hearing near you, it's like that one actor who has to like he has to become the thing he's trying to act. Uh, shoot, now I'm forgetting his name. But that, method acting, sure.
0: But it, you forget his name because he's so because he's involved. inhabited the
1: role so much. Yes, that I don't remember who the heck he is anymore. He's
0: just himself. You want to move your mic back? Um, you want to move your mic back? Right? Oh, did I knock yeah. it? Yeah, I'm just. Just oh. keeping an eye on it. Dope. Okay. It's, it's a little loud in here. So. All right. Yeah, so uh, Rick Perry thrown under the bus a little bit. And there are these rumors that he's leaving, potentially, although he's kind of denied it. But, of course, those are just rumors. Who knows? who knows? Who knows? Who uh, knows? But, yeah, then up.
1: also Mike Pence under the bus. feel like I need to edit in, like, a sound of a bus driving oh. over people. I don't know what that would be, but it seems consistent. Uh, but, yeah, apparently he met with Zelensky, uh, the president of Ukraine, and in that conversation talked about how the aid money was being withheld until corruption concerns were addressed. Now, it's entirely possible that Pence did not know – what the game was that was being played. Sure. And it's possible that even Trump was deliberately dragging him into this as some kind of, you know, protection, you know, it's like, hey, if everybody's in the mud with me, nobody can really like, you know, get Roll. rid of me. Who knows? I I mean
0: it's So first of all, Trump's saying, why don't you take a look at Pence's transcripts? Right. Just kind of hilarious. Right. Cool. But let's I, see the transcript, sir. Are yeah. In that secret server. But I don't see. I don't see this being some kind of grand scheme, and I, and I, I believe that we have to make a distinction, or maybe a decision rather, to say, either they're all idiots or they're all playing 3D chess. Yeah. Because. You can't imagine that there's a world where, I'm just gonna go out on the south lawn of the, the White House, and scream out yeah investigate the Biden's China and Ukraine it's worse you know, essentially admitting to the thing that they've denied as a somehow amazing legal strategy right because well, if
1: I'm doing this out in public you know in a press conference clearly there's right. nothing wrong with it which which I do wonder if he did if he was like being accused of murder would he just start executing people at a press conference and be like see nothing uh, wrong with I that? can just do that. Kind of like that video that was shown at the conservative... Yes.
0: (sighs) Anyway, but it really really is telling on a couple levels, right? So Donald Trump, in every case, will turn on your ass as soon as he can. Yeah. As soon as it is profitable for him. And what you said about people having their own game and it being about self-interest, this is a collection of people with their own self-interest and some level of stupidity slash arrogance to assume that the other people just love them so much that they're not going
1: to be in it for their own self-interest. Right, right. No, I've long believed what's going to do Trump in, and the final scope of this is he demands loyalty from everybody around him, but he does not reward loyalty for anybody he's like he wants them in promise their allegiance to him use them as much as he can and then he will burn them the moment he needs to right and at some point it's going to add up enough that it's going to hurt him yeah there's
0: no bank with him right so you know there are some people who you build up goodwill with them you can have a slip-up now and then and then you know like so sorry me, culpa I've used some of my political capital I mean Donald Trump is a A loyalty goldfish. As soon as you've done something he doesn't like, you're out. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where Giuliani ends up in all of this. Because... I feel like he knows where a lot of the bodies are buried. He must. Mostly because he buried them. Mostly because he buried them. Yes. And, And the president... Distancing himself from Giuliani at this point is kind of fascinating. I didn't think that that would happen so quickly. Yeah, and he was all when he was asked, you know, is he your attorney? He's like, well, I don't know, I, I maybe I. Right, Rudy Giuliani, Gu, uh, uh Gulia Ghulia, who? Right, I don't know, mayor what of are you talking New York. Uh, I, I mean. I, mean, I saw that movie. Rudy is he? Is he related yeah. to that? See, see I that guy who was in Lord of the Rings too. Right. So, it'll be interesting to see how fast, and if Rudy
1: gets either excommunicated, or well, and it's like, I do wonder like how close they're tied together at this point because it's like if he does try to like burn Giuliani, how you know it gets back to what does Giuliani have on him? Like how how protected is Trump against what Giuliani knows? And it may be that Trump is just so confident in his own, how untouchable he is that Giuliani can't even mess that up. Yeah. But and, and I guess the other
0: interesting thing is you'd think that a lot of the argument of against Giuliani testifying would be attorney-client privilege. And Donald Trump's like, I don't know if he's my attorney. Well, he hasn't been
1: paying Giuliani. Giuliani's been working for free. So I don't think that's, you have a I mean, now granted, I think that the trope of, hey, I give you a dollar and we now have attorney-client privilege, like, I don't think that's really a thing, but I think you have to pay somebody more than zero. <laughs> it's true.
0: So, yeah. I mean, so, I, I assume you and I were both thinking of that scene in Breaking Bad. Right. At the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know, you got a dollar? Stick it in my pocket. Okay. Yeah. Now I can't say
1: anything that we talked about. I don't need a criminal lawyer. I need a criminal, criminal lawyer. lawyer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I think the biggest thing that really hurts Trump is the series of text messages that came out. Um, and this is between a few different people. Uh, for a few different people. It's Ukraine Special Envoy Kurt Volker, Ambassador Gordon Sundland, and Bill Taylor, who's the Charged Affair for Ukraine. Uh, who came in after Marie Yovanovitch was removed. Right. Okay. So he's a career diplomat. Career diplomat,
0: And I I think one of the things that we always have to look at here are how people got to where
1: they are. Right. And... There are some people who are part of the deep state. Right. (laughs) Meaning they care about their job and the mission statement. And possibly the law. Yes. And then there are the people that were appointed by Trump in some fashion or... Bought their way in the door with Trump, right. like Sondland in this case did. Um, so there's this conversation that's going back and forth amongst these people, talking about uh, talking about Ukraine and talking about a deliverable, and the deliverable being opening an investigation into Hunter Biden, or more more broadly, the energy company that Hunter Biden worked for. And so, Barisma. Burisma, yes. And so this is going back and forth. And in those texts, we know for a fact that there was a quid pro quo around a state visit, basically saying, well, if we get a commitment from Zelensky and he makes a public statement about opening an investigation and, and hitting these specific talking points, then we will offer him a state visit in in Washington. Right. And that's a value to Zelensky because it gives him additional credibility as president, sure. et cetera, et cetera. And, and Zelensky's people said,
0: happy to do that. As soon as we get everything scheduled for the state visit and that's all locked in. Right, because they trust we'll, Trump about as far as they can right. throw him. So negotiator-in-chief,
1: President Zelensky of, <laughs> of Ukraine. Yeah. So uh, on September 1st, uh, Taylor, the Charged Affair... And text Sondland saying, are we now saying that security assistance and White House meeting are conditioned on investigations? Sondland responds saying, call me. So Sondland has some awareness, obviously, of these text conversations possibly being something that could be dug up in the future. Yeah. And so he doesn't want to have that conversation there that's my impression of what's going on there maybe it's just a more complicated conversation and it's better to have on the phone you know maybe to whiteboard out something you know yeah. are we doing something illegal yes or no right call me it's got some nuance right right exactly um, then on September 9th we have a text from uh, Volker saying as I said on the phone I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. Sondland responds... Nine hours later. Right. Nine hours later. I believe you're incorrect about President Trump's intentions. Uh, the president has been crystal clear. No quid pro quos of any kind. I suggest we stop the back and forth text. Once again, let's get this off the record. Yeah. Um, and also, during that gap in time, Sondland spoke with Trump. So basically has that conversation with Trump that we don't know what the details of that are. And uh, apparently... Sondland will be testifying about that. We'll get to that in a moment. And and let's be clear that that text message that he responded back to
0: Volker and that was that was a beautifully written text message. Oh yes, that was that was not that was not a hey man, I'm just sending a text back. You know that was crafted. Yeah, that was, that was a was, yes composed message. That, reread it right, changed it, put it back out there. Yes, so. Some awareness there from from Sondland. I heard somebody say, "Look, man, if I'm looking for a cover-up guy, I want Sondland on my team." Yeah.
1: Now, one of the things I think it's important to call out about this is that 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 thoughtfulness in all of this and this attempt to sort of like keep things on the down low, move things to phone conversations, makes it clear that the people involved in this recognize that there's a line being crossed in that yeah. conversation. Yeah. And where they were comfortable with saying. You can have a state visited in exchange for opening this investigation, which is still a quid pro quo. Once they start talking about defense spending, they're like, okay, let's not really say that. That's not really what's going on here. And they're much more cautious. Well, and I think what it does is
0: it reflects that there was an escalation on the US. Absolutely. So there were so many conversations that had happened before then at different levels. Yeah. And so you've got You know, sort of the official channels would be through the embassy. So, you know, uh, Maria Ivanovich and her whole crew. And if you're communicating with them, you'd go through them first. That's how it's supposed to work. Right. Go through the State Department. So that evidently wasn't bringing about the result that they were looking for. So they started to open up new channels. And that's when you get Sondland who has no purview over Ukraine should have no no interaction at all and Giuliani and you get all these other people involved because they're trying to get what they want in different ways right. and they've got to keep right. upping the pressure state visit to defense spending to whatever the next level would be yes and i think that's that shows you how much they wanted this to happen and even to the point where you know they you know, got the ambassador fired, and you know, people in the Ukraine got the ambassador fired. right. So she was highly critical of the prosecutor, who, you, know, for the record Zelensky had said was going to get rid of. So that prosecutor was a guy who was generally regarded in Ukraine as being somebody who was pretty corrupt who was using his office to say, I'll investigate you unless you pay me some money. Right, right. I don't care what the charges are. you know. And she was critical of him. Donald Trump praised him in the call with Zelensky. Zelensky had said, I'm probably going to get rid of this guy. And you've got now, he's tied into Parnas and Giuliani. Yep. Because Giuliani had had conversations with him via Parnas and then was super excited and had, like, immediately called Donald Trump, like, great news. I found somebody who's willing to to move in on the Bidens. Right. But he had a condition, which was getting rid of the ambassador.
1: Like, like it's all pretty clear. Absolutely.
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: And um, so we've got coming up, I mentioned Sondland planning to testify – um, he is going to state that Trump told him there was no quid pro quo. Now, it's not clear, is he like, does he did he believe that there was no quid pro quo and he's merely relaying it? Like, not sure about that. But um, he's basically protecting his own ass at this point. He's oh, saying, yeah. I didn't say it. This is Trump saying it. I'm just relaying that message. Um, but he will make it clear that um, he was working on behalf of Giuliani and Trump. To get the statement from Ukraine that they were investigating Burisma in exchange for a presidential audience at the White House, which is a quid pro quo. Thank you. Um, Soliciting—I think—is we got to be clear about like that what the crimes are here. Soliciting help from a foreign government in the election is a crime, quid pro quo or not. The quid pro quo just makes it that much clearer. Yeah, and then it's just layers of quids to the pro quos that we're getting beyond that. Um, So just to kind of review, because there's like a bunch of different names we've thrown out. There are a lot of connections going on. I want to go through a timeline of kind of what all unfolded. Um, So do you want to start with like what happened sort of in the preamble to this? Right. So in the spring, oh,
0: remember those days? So long ago. We were so naive. Right. In the spring of 2019. We were
1: still thinking, Mueller is going to save us. I know. It was glorious. (sighs) So in the spring, this kind of all started,
0: Ukrainian-wise, with the prosecutor who had been in there before Zelensky was elected, um, talking about how much he disliked the ambassador from the U.S., who was a, a career diplomat, Uh, Actually, of Ukrainian heritage, uh, immigrant, U.S. citizen, uh, really kind of tailor-made for that job, like been in the Foreign Service her entire life. And she had been critical of him because of all of the information they'd gathered about how he was essentially extorting companies, including Burzma. Right. He was saying, you haven't done anything wrong, but you got to give me a bunch of money or I'll open investigations right. again. Um, and so then he starts, you know, kind of bashing her, including making up a story about her giving him a list of people that he's not supposed to investigate. Right. That he retracted a week later. But in that intervening time, Fox News picked it up, and Hannity picked it up and Giuliani picked it up and said she's terrible and she's got to go and at the same time Lev Parnas and this is yeah yeah so we've got all of this the sort sausage of king of Ukraine is
1: out there causing trouble yeah. right
0: and you know plots being hatched at at Mafia Rave and that kind of culminates with uh Ivanovich being fired in April right and her term would have been up soon anyway but like brought back fired and there were also, you know, people saying like, well, she, you know, she was bad mouthing Donald Trump, which clearly is the worst crime you could commit oh, absolutely. in the administration. But no there's absolutely no proof of that at all. Yeah. And, you know, by all accounts, she was a very conservative and by conservative I mean small know, C conservative. Yes. Not is wouldn't be the kind of person who would take a partisan stance on something right and had served in the foreign service under several presidents yes Uh, so that doesn't really ring member of the deep state (laughs) that's what i meant to say so so
1: that was all in the springtime right so then we get into there's a lot of like very specific dates that we have so it goes from there that on july 18th Trump begins withholding the money that was allocated to go to Ukraine in order to buy weapons to then help protect them against Russia. Yes. And I, I think it's important to note that Ukraine and Russia are in an active war. I mean, it's a low level war, but there is actual fighting going on periodically, and that this would be going to help support them.
0: Well, it, I mean,
1: Russia invaded the Ukraine. Yes,
0: exactly. So, um, and, and, Keep in mind that Zelensky was
1: was elected in May. Okay, yes. So. so then July 25th was when the call happened with Zelensky that we have the pseudo-transcript of where Trump is talking about wanting him to investigate and all of that. August 12th is when the whistleblower complaint uh, was filed with the inspector general. So that's where... It was talking about. I've talked to the, you know, they were yeah. they collected the re- recollections of various people. They all sort of aligned to say Trump is offering a quid pro quo here, um, and
0: and I think it's important to say. And I'm this is a fair and balanced moment. Yes, fair and balanced moment brought to you by not Fox News, um, some that, scale manufacturer, yeah. I assume. At that point, somewhere in in there, the whistleblower talked to. Adam Schiff's office. Yes. So, again, important to bring up, I think, because there were other things happening
1: in the decision-making process around bringing it to the IG, for sure. Um, So, on August 26th, the DNI was made aware of the whistleblower complaint. Then, September 1st, Pence met with Zelensky and that's when we had Taylor texting Sondland about security assistance yep. being conditional for investigation. September 2nd, so a day later, Pence discusses meeting with Zelensky and talks about money being withheld because of corruption concerns, but not that it's a quid pro quo. Uh, Volker pushes back on a quid pro quo in his texts. So we talked about that previously. And then uh, after that, September 10th, Uh, Shift demands a whistleblower complaint from McGuire, who is the DNI. And September 11th, Trump releases aid for Ukraine. So the impression one is left with, as you look through this timeline, or at least that I'm left with, is that there is that upping of the game where they're having these conversations back and forth in text. They're talking about trying to get this pressure. They talk about what the deliverable is. They're having trouble getting that. Trump begins withholding that money has those conversations with Zelensky, and basically as this gets leaked out i mean literally the day after Schiff starts asking about around about all of this is when trump releases the money and there's been no yeah. explanation for why the money was withheld that has sort of any sort of like backing no there's no material evidence to say oh yeah it was used to you know, oh, because at this specific concern, they've talked vaguely about corruption concerns, but they haven't really given any sort of other reason why it was being withheld. Because Ukraine has done nothing. Yes. So there hasn't been
0: an investigation announced, and what they really wanted was a public announcement about an investigation. Right. So Ukraine hasn't done that. They really haven't done anything. Right. And to I think
1: to Trump's ends, whether there's dirt or not, Having Ukraine come out and say they're investigating Hunter Biden or Burisma. Actually, he doesn't even say Hunter Biden. just says Burisma. That allows Fox News, et cetera, to connect the dots and say, ah, they're investigating Burisma because Hunter Biden, because Joe Biden. And the same, whether there's yeah. dirt manufactured or not, simply having the press release is valuable to them to sort of say, oh, there is something shady going on here. Any, any point of validation
0: that they can get? Is what they're looking for. Absolutely.
1: Um, So, of course, Trump is trying to stop a lot of the investigations going on around this. He he tried to block Sondland from testifying, or at least, broadly speaking, the State Department tried to stop him. Apparently, he's going to testify. Anyhow, uh, Trump sent a letter to Congress officially refusing to cooperate because he deemed it to be a baseless and constitutionally invalid investigation. And if you read that... so. Yes. I don't know why I decided to read this, but I read I, I've just got to say in our notes here, everybody, in our outline, it says hilariously not attached to reality. <laughs> I mean, that letter was, you know, I,
0: I, I don't even know how they put it together. It was like, well, it didn't start on a Thursday, and uh, there was no broader House vote. Okay. And the president doesn't get to cross-examine Okay, That's not that a thing.
1: Not a thing. Yeah. Not a thing. I mean I mean and it's important to understand like the the imp- an impeachment is the equivalent of a grand jury. It is a an indictment. It is not a conviction. And in the similar proceeding of a grand jury investigation, the prosecutor has a large amount of weight. They don't have cross-examination. That's just yeah. not how it works. Right. And you know, it real, is clear yeah. that the House writes the rules for how all this works. Right. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah. And if Pelosi doesn't seem inclined to have a a floor vote to say now we're officially doing an impeachment inquiry, um, there's no reason she needs to though. And I think her thinking, which does make me a little nervous, is she doesn't want to necessarily push, you know, those sort of like moderate, purple districts. Yeah. You know, uh, Democrats into having to vote in favor of this on the record, uh, giving her some way to back out of this possibly. So that's what makes me a little nervous about this. But ultimately, she's not obligated to do so. It is it is fully fully yeah. within the House's purview to do this however the hell they want, and that's what they're doing. And I,
0: I guess for the record, I think she should do the floor vote, not yeah, because oh yeah. this letter came out, but I, it it feels very low risk. She has the votes even without the purple district, rep- uh, purple district. Yeah, representative. So do it. Yeah. Find find the fifty plus one.
1: Get it done. Give I mean, people a pass. Now inevitably the response would be digging up some other reason that this is invalid. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's
0: not because yeah. they'll. I I don't care about the letter. Yeah. I think. I think it's worthwhile getting rid of the talking points. By the way, the talking points always seem to get sent to the Democrats. If you remember that again, once again, we had a case of we're just sending the talking points. Um, There was something I forgot to mention and I hate to circle back on things. But the attorney for Les Parnas and uh, his his compatriot. The sausage king of Ukraine. Do you know who it is? Igor Fruman. Do you know who their attorney is? No. John Dowd. I don't know that name. John Dowd was President Trump's lead attorney. <laughs> of course. Of course. In, during the Mueller investigation. That's great. <laughs> so, I'm, I, 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 I'm sure it's a coincidence. Yeah. It's he's, just- he's also the guy that got Pete Rose banned from baseball. Some people may care about that. I I, I agree with that one. But, you know. So nobody's terrible. But I. I, He's 50-50 so far. I found that. I found that.
1: Right. Interesting. Of course course it all comes full circle. And so he resigned. Um, Yeah. You know, it will be interesting to find out Trump being a real estate developer in New York and Rudy Giuliani being the mayor of New York. I would guarantee you there's some serious corrupt crap that went on. Oh yeah. Like it seems a it's just like oh suddenly he's like working with Giuliani. Like no, there's something else going on here. I would be disappointed if there weren't. Right. We may
0: never find out. Yeah. But at this point there's got to be something. But some I crazy think my baseless speculation
1: there. is probably not as baseless yeah. as a, as a, you might want to think it is. So so let me ask you this and this is, yes. you know, what should what do you think
0: should happen i mean so so you steve are laying out the next and i'll let you pick number
1: of months okay what do you think should happen so like if i'm if i'm pelosi and i'm pushing this case <laughs> forward like how yeah. do we how do we strategically this i think it's Honestly, one of the challenges I think we face with a lot of this is that whatever we put out there, we fundamentally have a good sense of it's going to get to the Senate and it's going to die there. Absolutely. And so I think what you do is you're gonna try to build as much of a case as you possibly can. You're gonna run into various amounts of obstruction. I think one question I have is, do you push to the point of using inherent contempt and, like, actually trying to arrest people? Like, it's going to be hard to arrest people who are in the executive branch because they're protected by the executive branch, but arrest Rudy Giuliani for if he doesn't appear or, you know. Which we all agree would be objectively hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like you're going to try to dig up as much as you can push it as far as you can and then at some point you're going to have to say this is as far as we can get and then you're going to bring up here are all the charges of obstruction here are the charges of you know whatever corrupt acts we've got here violations of election law violations of you know bribery extortion however you're going to put that together and then you push it out there and it's like at some point though you're going to have to say like this is as good as we're going to get and pull the trigger yeah So, if it were you, would you,
0: I guess, would you favor expediency over depth? So, there's going to be obstruction. Would you rather, let's play would you rather. Would you rather have articles of impeachment written up and voted on by the Judiciary Committee? You know before January 30th or would you rather go to the courts and try to get things yeah, in with you, the risk of those things taking longer?
1: I think you push it out to like I feel like March, April like I don't think you want to like rush it but I don't think you want to drag it out either. I think that I think what you want to do is – because, I mean, let's bear in mind this is a political process at this point. Like, there's no – unless we get some sense of Republicans in the Senate are like, we're done with this guy, then that changes this whole conversation. But if the working assumption is they're going to let him off, I think you just have to get as much out there as you can and end it and let that be a factor in the campaign, but let the campaigns run themselves in terms of going in the election. So before we get into – the conventions and all that sort of stuff like say all right this is done we can't get any further because we're being obstructed we will continue to investigate and continue to investigate as much as you can obviously a lot of these things are going to be going through the courts and so get back whatever you can from the courts and if you just have some stuff that takes a little longer you know you can come back for it later yeah i'm with you i think i think there's a shelf life
0: i think there's a point where you have to kind of so I will say that I think there are probably three different dispositions in the Senate. There's a disposition that says, you know, there's, there's one, and I think this is the lowest case, where enough senators from the Republican Party cross over and he's removed from office. And I will tell you that personally, I don't think that that's... That that could happen in a timely enough way where it wouldn't be incredibly destructive. Yeah. I think there's another disposition where the senators vote to acquit and what they say is I didn't see any evidence. I don't think, you know, this was a witch hunt and they 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 attacked the process.
1: Right, which I feel like is the most likely it's outcome probably at this point. the most yeah. likely.
0: I think that there is another outcome where the senators vote to acquit. But enough of them say we're voting to acquit acquit because this is an election year and they're very clear about staying away from the facts of the case, which is cowardly. Interesting. Yeah. But I think that getting that information out helps that drive towards that. Yeah. Because if you can get enough senators to kind of say, at least not feed the narrative, that somehow seems helpful. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe I want too little. My bar is so low.
1: (laughs) Kind of like William Barr. Yeah, I mean. He's also pretty low. I mean, uh, And, you know, we see the polling around this has been shifting more and more towards not just impeach, like not just an inquiry, but actually convict him and remove him from office. Across the board, we've seen a big shift. And so if the public and their perceptions of things change enough, the pressure on Republicans to support Trump will shift. And things could happen that we're not expecting right now. And so I think there's like, I think it's a matter of let's play this out as there's there's a point of like, if it doesn't, if we're losing momentum, if we kind of stall, like it's time to just say, all right, cut bait, and like let's just file the articles and move on. If it if it seems like we're still gaining traction, we're yeah. still having enough information coming out. There are, and also I should note, there are other whistleblowers. Whistlesblower? Whistleblowers. Yeah, I'm not sure. I yeah. know it's a compound noun though. I've got that figured out. Anyhow, uh, there are more of them out there, not even necessarily just on this. There's some talk about uh, one on uh, Trump trying to prevent things with an audit of his tax returns. Um, right. So there's lots of other stuff out here that might end up being part of articles of impeachment that we have not even scratched the surface of yet. I, and, and I guess I would hope that, honestly, the impeachment
0: is focused on a few specific things. Yeah. And we're not sort of waiting for Godot. Yes. Because if it's going to happen... I think they need to get written crisply, brought up, get voted on,
1: you know, yeah, and and move on one way or another, yeah. Um, so, so Nancy Pelosi, if you're out there, first of all, rate us on iTunes. Second of all, that's our strategy recommendation for you. Take it for what you will. You've been there a while. You know what you're doing. I hope. Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So I
0: hope she does rate us on iTunes, as everybody should. Yes. It's the best way for us to help
1: other people find our podcast. That's right. All right. So I think that wraps us up on the impeachment palooza. Impeachment palooza.
0: And it is amazing, and maybe this is noteworthy, that this has been in the news cycle for three weeks.
1: Yeah. Trump Trump has not been in control of things for a while. Well, I mean, but there is something else that's been dominating the news cycle. So we may as well move on to our international portion of the program with Syria. Um, so Trump found a good way to piss off his Republican supporters <laughs> where, where corruption could not do it. Uh, what is going on in Syria could. So uh, Trump had a phone call with Erdogan of Turkey and at the conclusion of that call, decided to pull out our troops that were basically acting as human shields for the Kurds. Right. So a little background on this is that we had this deal set up where uh, we were basically going to put our troops in place to protect sort of the backs of the Kurds while they engaged with ISIS. So they were going to fight ISIS. We were going to be in position to sort of like act as a human shield against Turkey getting involved. And then everything, you know, so then theoretically, right. okay, that's all fine. And so, like, at one point, it's gone so far as the Kurds taking down the defensive positions that they had to protect themselves against Turkey um, as part of that whole process. And it's it's worthwhile to note that the Kurds,
0: as a people, are the largest sort of non-state nation. So. It's the largest ethnic group in the world without a state of their own. Yeah. They were promised a state after World War I. Lines got drawn. They weren't
1: part of it. Yes, And we keep having this sort of allegiance with them. They were, they're were they part of like what we were doing in Iraq. They became part of what we were doing in Syria. Now, they were fighting ISIS whether we were there or not. Right. But where our involvement came in was basically providing sort of a, a protection behind them. Yeah. In, against Turkey, so that they could then go out and attack us. Well, and
0: they were doing the things that we weren't
1: politically willing to do. Right, we weren't willing to put those troops on the ground. Right. we were willing to put a little bit of troops on the ground, right. and basically we gave them air support and all yeah. of that. And So, and Turkey has a long history with Kurds as well. Yes, there are Kurdish separatists. Yes. There is a uh, the there is PKK. the PKK, which is a which is known as it is a terrorist organization depending on who you're talking to and how they're defining it, but, you know, there have been bombings in Istanbul, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's not a... That not is a
0: Constantinople. Thing. Yes. It's a messy it's situation. It's nobody's business but the Turks. Absolutely. Um, anyhow. We'll never know why they got the works. It is a messy, messy
1: situation. Yes. And so Trump, of course, made it even messier. All right. So after we had this deal with the Kurds, you know, they pulled down those fortifications... And then about a month later is when this call happens, where Erdogan's like, "Hey, I'm going to invade Syria and take over all this territory here," and Trump's like, "Cool," and sounds good. Pulls out our human shields, serving the only purpose they were supposed to serve. Like Two thousand special forces. Well, it's kinda. only like a hundred. So there. So we've got a We've got about a 2,000 troops in the northern. Northeastern Syria. Yeah. And it was a 100 that were sort of like right in the thick of where that was. And so the initial call was Trump basically saying those people are going to come out. We have now since then rather precipitously pulled all of our troops out of northeastern Syria. Well, the Syrians were shelling our troops. Right. Well, no, not the Syri- the Turkish. The Turk- Turkish. The Syri- I'm yeah. sorry. The Turks. The Turks. Who knew where our troops confusing. were? Because we told them where our troops were, and the theory that they would not shell them still ended up shelling some of them. Whether that was an accident or you know who knows, um, and so it's all a giant mess. We're we're screwing our allies. It set. It continues to further a perception that the U.S. is not going to back people when we make a deal with them. This I mean now, granted, this is not a new thing. It's the same thing we did with North or you know South Vietnam when we pulled out of there. Uh, by the way, the Ken Burns documentary, really good. Anyhow, uh, and Ken Burns, if you're listening, right? Greatest on, on iTunes. <laughs> so we pulled out of you know we pulled out of South Vietnam, said we'd provide you know air cover if North Vietnam did anything. We didn't do that. Same kind of thing here in, in uh, Syria. We said we we're going to provide this human shield. We we're going to protect them against Turkey. Turkey would not attack us if those troops were there, knowing full well that. If they killed a bunch of U.S. troops, that would precipitate a response from us. You know, there would be so much public pressure. Like, it's just not a good idea. No. And, man, we screwed him. Um,
0: you know, and of course Donald Trump's like, well, but I told him it's a bad idea. If he does the wrong thing, I will, I don't know, eviscerate his economy. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, I, f- I forget what it was. His, his great and all-knowing wisdom or whatever. Yeah. It was... He so he said so he threatened that he would, if Turkey did anything inappropriate there that he was going to like wreck their economy. He has since said that he's going to launch some sanctions against them. Sure, no idea if those are actually going to happen. Um, granted, he has two Trump towers in in Istanbul. And said in 2015, I've got a bit of a conflict of interest. Right in Turkey. So is he going to actually implement any kind of real sanctions? Who knows. And and you know. I, it's frustrating because it's like it's all the mixed signals around this It's and, and you know that there's some other thing going on here and we don't know yeah. what that is is yeah. it because Trump has allegiances with Russia is it because he has financial ties with, with Turkey we know that this was not any sort of strategic plan like no. even the general on the ground in Syria Did not know about this until it was like, hey, time to go because here comes Turkey. There's no strategy here. Yeah. And in in the end, the big winner, according to lots of folks, is Russia. And, yeah, the Kurds apparently have reached out to Russia and are now basically sort of like putting in with the Russians. Yeah, and important a storm. And Bashar al-Assad.
0: Yeah. So, you know, this was territory that the Syrian government had lost in a couple of different ways. Yeah. You know, first to ISIS and then to the Kurds. Yeah. Now the Kurds are like, ah, I do not Do you want to help us fight against Tur- Turkey's invading now? Anyway. Yeah. Um, and I guess in the intervening week, according to reporting by The New York Times, the Russians have been bombing hospitals.
1: Yeah. Anyway, good times. I mean, it's all just, I mean, Syria has long been a mess and then you throw Trump into the equation. And it's just like, you know, and another thing, you know, I wonder about with this is that the person who struck the deal with Turkey and and the protections of the Kurds, Obama. So it's entirely possible that Trump just yanked that because Obama put it there. You know that somewhere he's got a list of all the things
0: Obama did. And he's like, Chuck, I feel like Donald Trump, this is going to be very topical, is like the goose in Untitled Goose game. Have you heard about this? What is this? It is the most popular video game right now. You are a goose who goes around ruining other people's lives. Okay. In various and sundry ways. And you have a checklist of things that are like, steal somebody's hat. Make them spill their tea. Whatever it is. And For my experience no other- of
1: goose is, I feel like this is spot on. But- right.
0: It's very cathartic to play. Right. But I, see, I feel like Donald Trump is the goose. He's got this list of things that Obama did, and he's like, oh, I better get rid of that. I better do this thing. Not because he wants to, just because he thinks it'll hurt somebody else.
1: And, of course, I I had to Google this. like, okay, I can get it for my Mac. I may have to do that.
0: I will say the interesting thing here is that it, you know, and and in contrast with, you know, asking a foreign government to investigate a political rival for a political campaign, in this case, Republicans are actually pissed off about what's happening in Syria. Yeah. Even
1: Lindsey Graham, who, who somehow I dug up swore had spine been like, for this. you know, they had dirt on him and therefore he was gonna always be loyal to Trump. Like no. So
0: there are a lot of even Republicans coming out and saying this is a terrible idea, it's the worst thing
1: ever. Um, it yeah, is. And, and the quote from Graham I think is particularly striking is he said President Trump may be tired of fighting radical Islam, but they are not tired of fighting us. Like, if you're a Republican voter and you have any, I don't know how many of them actually give Graham much credence, but that doesn't sound good. No. No. (laughs)
0: So, yeah. Outside of Syria,
1: um, you know, things in Kashmir are still a little. It's kind of the same, it seems. Um, yeah, we want to kind of like go back and see if there's anything new there. Uh, uh, Xi of China uh, said he's watching the situation and would support Pakistan in issues related to its core interests. So it seems like he's not really thrilled with the way that India is handling this. Um, he was supposed to meet with Modi. I don't have any updates on that. That was supposed to be on Friday. Um, but he told Pakistan that the right and wrong of the situation was clear. So. They seem to be sort of taking Pakistan's side in, in sort of the diplomatic way that one uh, does. And why shouldn't they? Right. I mean, it's going to, that also is a very messy, messy area. Yeah. Um, and related to that, also talking about China uh, with Hong Kong, the protests are continuing. Uh, there's been 120 days of protests uh, as of October 9th. Uh, an interesting little American tie-in, though, is that Blizzard of Blizzard Activision, the big video game. We've got a lot of video game themes all of a sudden. We've got the goose thing. we got this. Uh, they had suspended a professional Hearthstone player because of their pro-Hong Kong statements. So, like, and then we also had Apple uh, getting some trouble right. because they pulled an app that was being used to track the police in Hong Kong. Yep. Um, now Apple claims that it was being used to like target the police for attacks or something, but I mean ultimately they're getting their information from the Chinese government. Sure. So that was also at the same time they pulled the Taiwanese
0: flag from the valid emoji. Right. 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 So How's your
1: uh, iPhone Pro? It's lovely. Uh, good. It's lovely. Yes, I can almost feel the support of fascist governments.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: And uh, yeah. the NBA also.
0: Oh, yes. The NBA. Right. So it really is interesting the sort of how obvious China's influence is across things. Yeah. So I read this quote recently from a, a, a longtime U.S. diplomat who said the United States used to be a beacon for all of the principles of democracy and freedom. And that beacon is going out. Yeah. And then calling out specifically things around Ukraine. Yeah. And caving to China on everything. Like
1: Yeah, and there was a there was a kind of a fundamental assumption for for many years of as China is brought into the world system and as their c- economy grows, there will be a democratizing force that comes with that, which isn't really panning out so far. That a lot of the authoritarian instincts of China continue to remain. Right. Um, that they're using the tools and technology to actually impose that authoritarian regime with, like, um, the whole you know social point system, where basically like you know you you can tell on your neighbors, and they can get points removed or added, and that gives them different access to credit. The gamification of yeah, fascism. Yeah, the gamification of fascism. It's, it's very nice. They, well, you know, that's interesting. Like, they were communists, but I feel like they've gone to fascist now. Like, it's all kind of authoritarian, but it's you know, it's a hazy thing, but anyhow. Um, so that was the theory, was that basically you know, they would be democratized. Um, and then there's another Thing of as China was rising, there was an effort to try to like create a, sort of an economic check on them, where it was like, all right, we're gonna get all these people, all these different countries together. We're gonna create a unified system to sort of act as a power against China, right? To like so that to somewhat reduce their influence. That was the TPP. And the TPP had a whole bunch of problems with it, which I was, you know, I was against it for for some of its transparency issues. But the whole theory behind it largely was checking the power of China. And that no longer is a thing. Trump got that, got rid of that like day one. Um, and he continues to undermine our influence in the world. And so China, just because of its growth, because of its economic ties throughout the world, has been growing and growing. And with that comes the values that they're bringing to it. Some of those are good, and some of those are right. clearly not so good.
0: And there's some really interesting reporting, and we're not going to get into it here unless we do a special episode. Yes. On Essentially, China is selling a, a suite of technology to countries and cities to allow them to monitor all their people and sort of control things. Yes. It really is. It's, it's really quite fascinating. Like, yes. roll out these cell towers and these cameras and all these things, and you'll be able to track everybody's movements and see all those things. So, like, the Philippines is really interested in that. Yeah.
1: So... Yeah. So, uh, if you're in China and you would like to rate or review us on iTunes, please use your Tor protection, exactly, and make sure that you're uh, VPNing and tunneling and all that sort of stuff. Because no, I
0: think uh, iTunes is fine
1: there. Oh, iTunes is fine. Okay. Yes. Right. Oh, yes. Because because app already kissed up to them, so it's fine. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Uh. How about that election? Oh, yeah. That's right. So it is so amazing. Is would be our hope for getting past some of this shit is we could have an election. I mean, it is amazing.
0: I don't know. Four episodes ago, it was like national news was, you know, some amount of time that was probably too long, but not as long as it just has been. Yes. And then it was mostly focused on the election and the the primary
1: process. I'm kind of pleased that the primary and Circus 2020 has become less of a thing and less of a news thing because we've got actually, like, much more important things to focus on. We have
0: actual news. Yes. It's not just making up news about the election to try to figure something out. But there was news.
1: There was news. Yes. Election Circus 2020!
0: I I mean, really earth-shattering news Marianne Williamson was here in Chicago at Sidetrack that's great good for her very excited she couldn't get in one of the forums the LGBTQ forum so she showed up okay
1: well there you go not far from Iowa just down the road was Iowa where that that forum was I feel like it was I don't know I'm embarrassed to say that I don't know that's okay they keep moving them yeah it's alright uh, but yeah, so, uh, anything else to say about that? No. Great. No. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so Bernie, uh, had a heart attack. Uh, it seems like it was a fairly mild, uh, heart attack. Uh, he had had some chest pains and discomfort during one of his, uh, campaign rallies. I uh, ended up like asking for some, you know, a chair to sit down. He no, was, I think it was the forum in Las Vegas. Yeah, forum. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was just feeling off, and he's like, all right, right, let's." I need to go to a hospital. Um, and ended up putting a couple stents in his heart, and he, so he's now in the process of recovering from that. Um, and so a, a stent, for those of you
0: who haven't done your cardiac research, right. is essentially picture a mesh tube like those little finger traps that you used to get for 65 right. tickets at Chuck E.
1: Cheese that goes in an artery and keeps it open. Yes. And the trickiest part about that procedure is the surgeon getting his finger out. Right. Yes. Right. Uh, and it's a pretty
0: common procedure. You do it. Uh, it's it's you don't. It's not open heart surgery. Yes. You usually run them through the carotid. Or right, yeah. Right, right. So you got to yeah, find a bigger. So artery. you got to put them up in there.
1: Recovery times can vary. Whatever. Since he actually appears to be a, have had a heart attack, it's probably a little longer recovery time than uh, you know if it had just been a, a you know a prophylactic procedure but um yeah and he's missed things since then he hasn't really been
0: out yeah they've been showing videos of him like in his backyard and playing baseball and i'm alive
1: look i'm a vigorous old man Uh, yeah exactly um you know and so obviously that's going to play a factor in the campaign um you know some people are going to start talking about whether he's too old to be in the campaign or whatever the reality of it is is that the the physical effects of that procedure, whatever, shouldn't be have any long term impact. It shouldn't really be a, of it shouldn't be a factor in deciding whether he should be president or not. Other than the fact that it's just sort of evidence of, hey, he's an old guy, and you know, which currently our three front runners are all old, so yeah. you know it is what it is. Exactly, and
0: I think the first time we're really going to see him is tomorrow night in the debates.
1: Yes, so we'll see like what's his energy level like. Is he more Biden like? Or is he more Warren like in terms of his energy level? If he's
0: gonna do what we call the Biden Cliff, hey I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm tired. 3 so Uh I mean and I, I've talked to people who are big Biden or big Bernie supporters. For the record, I haven't talked to anybody who's a big Biden supporter. But I've talked to people who are Bernie I supporters. Have. But only only rarely. Yeah. <laughs> and there's cautious worry is, yeah, you know, as you do, because I think one of the things that is is true about Bernie's supporters is that they care about him as a person.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think sometimes to a fault, but, but I think that, but yes, yes. So there's that. But I, I
0: think, you know, we've seen... As we've kind of said from the beginning, Warren it just keeps on climbing.
1: Yeah, so you know the polls are starting to shift in her direction. Um, one of the things that we that apparently Biden's team uh, has been downplaying expectations in Iowa and New Hampshire, um, suggesting maybe that he's going to focus on South Carolina and hoping to, you know, that's that's not a good sign for the hey I'm the most electable guy to right. be downplaying those things. Um, and you've also seen uh, uh, some attacks coming out on Warren after sort of the after sort of all the noise about her maybe becoming the front runner came out. You immediately saw these attacks happen. Oh yeah, yeah. And they're really interesting in what they're going after her on.
0: Like, hey, hey, uh, you spoke at the Federalist Society, right? Which we all know is responsible for all of your judges, right? Right now,
1: right. So I mean it's and and so, you know, the, if you look at the overall conversation that she was having at that event, it, she's she, her background is a bankruptcy attorney, and she was talking about, you know, the role of bankruptcy and and um, actually talked very strongly about the need for pro consumer uh, bankruptcy protections to keep banks basically in check, so that they aren't yeah. doing a bunch of bad lending practices. And uh, but there's an excerpt of it where she's talking about how people will avoid paying credit cards by changing your names and moving around. And it all seems very sort of like anti poor when taken out of the larger context of the conversation. Um, it's a pretty minor thing, I think, overall uh, and overall. And as you actually like like look at what she's talking about, it all plays into our larger themes that you see today. Even yeah. about, you know, making sure to keep banks in check and things like that. Um Probably the one that's gotten the most prominent play though has been the whole pregnancy thing. And this is kind like, of ridiculous, but I, I look at this and say So
0: the whole deal was they said, well, she wasn't actually fired because she was pregnant. Like And she said before she didn't mention it the last time. Like
1: Yeah. And so I, like the timeline on all of this was she got extended uh, to, to teach for another year, Yeah, and then before that year started, she was forced out. And it's not clear if she resigned or you know, how that all worked out, but of course what had happened was in the interim, she had gotten pregnant, she started showing, and then that's when that whole conversation happened sure. about what the, her future with them would be. None of that is on the record, of course, because nobody writes down, hey, we fired you because you're pregnant. Right. Because even though it was legal, and it was accepted practice, nobody felt good about it. (laughs) No, and but this is like so. Having been
0: in the corporate world a long time, and having seen people get fired, get pushed out pun intended, because they were pregnant, like that is how it worked. Yeah, and somebody, the, the arguments that people are putting up there are, frankly the same misogynistic bullshit reasons that they give against rape survivors.
1: Yeah. Well, she didn't talk about it right afterwards. She right. must be lying now. That is ridiculous. Yeah. And so yeah, in 2007 there's a video of her talking about all of this and she talks about moving on, you know, that that wasn't the right thing for her. She doesn't she doesn't she doesn't say that she wasn't far, like she doesn't like she doesn't give the details of what happened, right. basically. She kind of glazes over that. And, it, and if you go back to you know a, a decade from now, um, the way that that's perceived... I mean, I think it's only a recent thing that it's like women are allowed to be honest about a lot of that stuff. Where it's like instead back then they had to be... The power was all against them, and it was like you just yeah. kind of have to bury this because you're better off looking like a strong woman who made your own choice rather than a woman who was, you know, basically a victim exactly. of, a, of a cruel system. And
0: if you spoke out, you were in fear of being blackballed.
1: Yeah. And this is still, even though the law has changed, this is still a problem today. Let's be clear: it's like women, you know, are often paid less because of this. They have trouble getting jobs because of this. Because hey, you might get pregnant or you are pregnant is seeing like, okay, well, now we're going to lose yeah. you or we're going to lose uh, all that investment in you, and so it's not worth doing. And like I said, I've seen this play out yeah, in detail yeah, in the last yeah. you know, 15 Friend, years. Yeah, I've had it, friends who are like, hey, I'm interviewing for a new job, but I kind of have to hide my pregnancy because, you know, if I don't, yeah. well, I, actually I might not get the job. And
0: a very quick anecdote. I worked with somebody. She got pregnant. She went on maternity leave. They agreed when she was coming back. Then she was told she had to come back early if she wanted to keep her job. Yeah. And so she's like, no. And then they fired her. Right. And then came the lawsuit negotiation period where she ended up probably accepting less than she should have because she didn't want to actually file a lawsuit because she didn't want to get blackballed. Right.
1: So she didn't want that because then you're, now you're the troublemaker right yes. and so like it, it and just, so it blew me away. The, and so the, the, the notion of this uh, is basically been trying to push out around Warren is that somehow she's deceptive and lying and whatever else and it's like the, and so if you're going to accept that line of logic, you have to believe that she was telling the truth back then. That and that well, or that she wasn't like that her lack of talking about pregnancy back then was the truth, and now she's just making up shit about
0: that yeah. it
1: was about her pregnancy now. And it's like, it's not plausible to me. No. And I'm, you know, and I'm vocally a Warren supporter, but like across the board, like. It doesn't make... Like, what is the extra benefit to her by doing that? She was already connecting well with women. Like, what is the political yeah, upside for having that kind of distortion? None. And it's... Um, and it's it's all wrapped up in misogyny and all of that. And it's very... And actually, I think the thing that pisses me off the most about it was not that the right wing was using those attacks, but you also saw the left of the party using that and talking about, yeah. you know, it was like like Jacobin writing about how... Warren was doing this like no that's that's not okay and if we want to have an inclusive uh society we have to recognize that this is a problem that women face and yeah. this is not this is not okay not okay
0: um and I I think you know we're not talking a lot about the debates today yeah so the debates are tomorrow tomorrow we got 12 people I can imagine I don't know 75% is going to be impeachment based um, We'll see. But 12 people on a stage in Ohio. We'll see how that goes. Um, One thing that I wanted to bring up uh, is around, so I think our two metrics right now are polling and fundraisers um, and fundraising. So we've gotten most of the Q3 numbers.
1: uh, And Sanders and Warren nearly tie. Yeah. Warren had fewer donors and a little bit less money. Sanders, uh, you know, but it was like within a million of each other in terms of the total amount of donations. So yeah. clearly similar base of support, you know, if you're thinking in those terms. Um, yeah. And they, they're they're the front runners at this point. Yeah, I would say.
0: Yeah. Um, another polling thing that I saw that was really interesting, and we've talked about some of these polls before where it's like, who's your first choice? Who's your second choice? We've seen a big shift in second people whose first choice is Biden. Their second choice had been Bernie. And I'd said this in our last episode, like, how do you square that, guys? Yeah. Like, how do you? Right. It's like, I'm going to go old white guy, other old white guy. Yeah. Um, but we're seeing a shift in those people shift their second choice
1: to elizabeth warren well i think a lot of it comes down to they're looking for the whoever will beat trump yeah. whoever's and, and it's and it's a winner it's basically i want to be with the winner is really what it comes down to and it's like that's you know so as yeah. whoever's and you know beginning to lead when which case warren is the case i imagine if warren fell off for some reason and Buttigieg started taking over a lot of that would shift to Buttigieg. it's just like yeah maybe maybe you yeah. know so yeah. we'll see I haven't interviewed or polled those people, so I can't really say for sure. But. Uh, they never
0: talk to me. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting thing that I, I wanted to talk about around the Circus 2020 is Facebook. Oh, yes,
1: yes. So, yeah, so a little background is uh, Trump ran an ad attacking, was it Biden? Yeah. Yeah. It was all completely basis lies. It was an ad... That had been rejected by CNN and and I believe MSNBC because it was baseless lies, and Facebook said, "Well, free speech. What are you going to do?" And basically allowed the ads, no problem, of course. Um, and so Warren's campaign
0: put out an ad that said, "Mark Zuckerberg has officially endorsed Donald Trump for president." Yes, which is of course not the truth, and. It looks very legit. And then they get actually, they actually say, actually, this is not true. But Facebook doesn't care if we lie. So why should we tell the truth? Um, Who knows what's going to happen from that? Thought it was kind of brilliant. Yeah. And sad and scary. And then we get reporting that Mark Zuckerberg is actually meeting with Lindsey Graham and people in the Trump campaign.
1: Like, Well, and like the person, I guess, who's in charge of making those policy decisions for Facebook was like a a Trumper. Like there's all kinds of like weirdness going on there. I mean, I I think one of the things we have to bear in mind about Facebook at this point is that their financial interests are not aligned with most of the Democratic candidates getting elected. Right. Like if Sanders wins or Warren wins, that's not good for Facebook necessarily. Now... Biden wins you know, it doesn't matter for them they're fine but so you know how how are they going to tune their algorithms what choices are they going to make you know and ultimately they may not do anything nefarious but their interests are clearly not al- they're they're aligned with perhaps more of Trump yeah. as long as their
0: business model requires advertising yes the money and there's unlimited money that can be spent by political campaigns
1: Although in the grand scheme of their bottom line, political campaigns are not that much of it. I mean, they make like forty billion a year or something like that. Like, you know, political campaigns definitely contribute to it, but it's like, yeah. could they just write that off and say we're not going to run political ads and and be fine? Yeah, I, they I mean, aren't, but they you,
0: could. You're gonna you're gonna lead us down the conversation of, well, could they because their stake their shareholders they have a fiduciary Would it maximize shareholder value? Yeah. Hard to say. Anyway.
1: Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so I think that pretty well summarizes things. I wonder if people
0: get to this point of the podcast when we say that summarizes things and they're like, that was a summary? Right. For the love of God, that was an hour. <laughs> What are the yeah, details do we, uh, yeah, look like? At, at,
1: yeah, we're like an hour 10, something like that. What do yeah. the details look like there? So,
0: But it really is important for us to talk about where we're at. Yes. Because we're at uh, Dry Hop. It is
1: on Broadway just south of Belmont. Yes. We have not been here before. I've I have never personally been never been here before. I've never been here before. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, a Monday, Monday night. night and it's it hopping. hopping. Yeah. I'm hopping. actually feeling a little bad for tying up the table right I know. now. Like, there's a so people standing weird. Like, yeah. I mean,
0: I, you know, it's, you know, it's a Monday evening. All of the tables are either filled or about to be filled. Yes. People at the bar are being rotated into tables. I.
1: I think we have a second place on the pretzel leaderboard. Yes, the pretzels here are excellent. Uh, it's a very much in like some places we go. we get like a big pretzel. Here it was a very much an individual little pretzel log kind of thing. It was amazing. Uh, it was and clearly had good made here. sauce and mustard to go with it.
0: Yeah, clearly made in house. Really beautiful. I love pretzels. Yes. Um, and beer wise, and actually the whole menu looks really good. And I'm you know, because we've been talking for so long, I'm starting to get hungry again. Yeah. But beer wise, I, I had this hoppalation trail, so I had asked the I'd asked our server, hey, what's good on the hoppy end of things? She recommended hoppalation trail. It's an IPA. They call it a mountain IPA, I'm not really sure what that means. But it was you know, it's a little hazy, super drinkable.
1: It was awesome. It was, it was awesome. Good, good. Yeah, and I started off with the uh, "Call Me Basic," which I feel a little insulted by the name of this beer, but it's it's a pumpkin beer, so they're like you know, okay, playing on the the pumpkin spice thing. Uh, but it was excellent. I love pumpkin beers. I don't know why the hell we can only get them in the fall, but I that's one of the things I do look forward to about fall is. The pumpkin beers, uh, even if I don't do. So the pumpkin this is gonna be the lattes. last
0: episode of Draft Politics, as I've <laughs> right. now learned that Steve likes
1: pumpkin beers. <laughs> uh, and then I went to the Earth Goes Hard, which is a Imperial goes, and it's a really nice balance of it's it's sour but not too sour. Yeah, really enjoying it. So, I mean, I, I, I get. I've said this before. This is one of the great things
0: about the podcast. We go places, and I'm like, I've never been here. This place is awesome. Why have
1: I never been here? Right. And, like, this is a place. Although coming here on a Thursday or Friday would be a madhouse. Uh, probably sure. a nice yeah, probably a knife fight. Yeah. Yeah. But worth it. Like, I would definitely
0: come back for the beer. Yes. I mean, I I will tell you that I've been paying attention to the meals coming out. It's about 90% burger-based. Yeah. Um, So I can imagine the burgers are quite good Yes It's in a very easy
1: to get to area Yep Highly walkable Right on Yeah, right on Broadway By the Laugh Factory So you could do A little comedy A little beer Yeah Perhaps in the other order Might work better for you Por que no los dos
0: Yeah Beer, comedy, beer Right, there you go Beer, burger, comedy, beer Yes Pretzel Right, there you go Pretzel first Ah, that's fine I don't know Either way, at Dry Hop here on, on Broadway, super good, super good. And they're accommodating. Uh, the service has been great. Good Wi-Fi speeds, yes. which is an important thing for us. So hopefully you've learned a little bit both about your world. We finally
1: caught up on impeachment-related yeah. activities. and At least until... An hour from now. Right. If I Google it right now, I'm sure there'll be something new uh, out yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we may, tomorrow we might be recording a bit of a, a debate follow-up. If not, we'll follow up uh, in our next episode. Yeah. But uh, that's pretty much it. And so we'll uh, hang out for the local podcast. We'll be yeah. coming out uh, not Stay too long. Stay strong, everybody. Watch that uh, debate tomorrow. Rate us on iTunes. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.